Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Helen. Hello everybody. And this week, particularly today, is a particularly special day for all things squiggly. So for those of you who follow us on Instagram or connected with us on LinkedIn, you will have seen that in the Sunday Times every month they publish a list of business bestsellers and today we were number one, which is amazing. Um, It is amazing. And we know that so many of our listeners will have been some of the first people to pre-order back in September, October last year, or perhaps you just ordered it two weeks ago. But we are incredibly grateful and really appreciative to everyone who's gone out and kind of bought the book before kind of you could really read any reviews or anything like that. I think it's always a bit of a leap of faith for people and it's paid off. And if you'd have told us that we could be top of a business bestseller list where you know, you sell more books than people like Simon Sinek or the founder of Nike, albeit they sell quite a lot every month, to be fair to them. But, you know, (laughs) this this month, no one can take away from the fact that we have sold more books than they have. And it's one of those things that for us, I guess we've been working hard on it for a long time. And we were just saying actually how you sort of can potentially take it for granted because it's lots and lots of kind of small actions over a long period of time. But We are just taking a moment on this Sunday to just give ourselves a tiny pat on the back and a pat on the back extended to every one of our listeners um, for helping us to get to that number one. I think an extended pat on the back is like a sort of a giant hug. (laughs) So yeah, huge thanks. And the podcast for anyone who is new or perhaps you're listening for maybe the first or second time, we always cover any and all kind of topics affecting work today. So whether it's how to improve your gravitas to exploring future career possibilities, what we really want to do with this podcast is to help everyone listening spend as much time enjoying and kind of thriving in your squiggly careers as possible and in those tough moments bounce back as quickly as possible. So if there's ever a topic or a theme or an idea for a podcast episode that you'd like us to cover that in our previous 120 episodes uh, we've not kind of discussed before, please do get in touch with us. You can just message us on Instagram where we're just at amazingif or you can email us at gettintouch at amazingif.com. We always really like to hear listener suggestions. 
interestingly, I think some of the messages that we've had most recently, like over on email or Instagram, whatever, have most commonly come from people that have either been listening to the How to Be Brilliant in a New Job episode or How to Cope with Restructures and Redundancies episode. So there's obviously is a period of change. Some people are looking for new roles. Some people find themselves in a difficult situation. So we're getting loads of messages about those ones. And we actually recorded those quite a while ago. So if you are in either of those situations, maybe those are good places to start with those past podcasts that we've done. And so today we're on episode 121 and we're going to be talking about setting boundaries at work. This is something that Helen covered in one of her daily career tips on Instagram and it got a really good reaction. People really interested, uh, wanted to learn more, so we thought it was kind of worthy of a full podcast topic. And really what we're talking about when we say boundaries at work are two things. Firstly, what you're prepared to hold yourself accountable for which I think is definitely one of those things that's easy to say and we all know really hard to do. I think the other thing about boundaries, it's about not only holding yourself to account for things, but also knowing what's really important to you and sticking to that and kind of putting yourself first. Brené Brown, I think, actually does put this really nicely where she says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. We can't base our own worthiness on others' approval. Only when we believe deep down that we are enough can we say enough. Which I just thought, as much as I'm not always a fan of a kind of cheesy quote or statement, or not quite as much of a fan as Helen is, (laughs) (laughs) I did actually think she did articulate that pretty well in terms of knowing what really matters to us, seeing it through, and also being confident that when we do see it through, it's the right thing for us. And in work today, probably more important than ever. Yeah, I think so. So Sarah and I talk a lot, obviously, about squiggly careers and the squiggly career. And if you think about the way that work looks today and what the reality of a lot of us are experiencing is work that is maybe always on because technology means that we're sort of working more and and that sort of boundary between work and home where work doesn't necessarily switch off when you leave the office, even if you are in an office now there's a sort of an always on nature to work I think also the volume of work that many of us are managing that's a part of the reality of a lot of what we're experiencing and I think that that means that some of the boundaries that we used to have you know kind of staircase like careers when people were doing nine to five slightly more structured roles slightly more structured experience of work some of those boundaries have become blurred and whether it's about the blurring of the boundary between the work that you do in your sort of work hours and then what bleeds into your out of work hours or maybe it's about the sort of relationships that you have with people maybe that's sort of a slightly blurred boundary now between are they a work person or an out of work person because they're contacting you at all different times or even your identity if you look into lots and lots of research that I find it really interesting about working your identity work used to be a source of income but now it's much more a part of our identity um, I think I've mentioned before about this article about uh, the, the spiritual workaholics as all identifying in our work and working constantly at it and that just means that it's sort of harder than ever in squiggly careers to have these really definite and defined boundaries and that means that a lot of people are compromising themselves and we here when we do work on confidence Sarah mentioned in that Brené Brown quote sort of the last part of it to resonates to me a lot it says only when we believe deep down that we are enough can we say enough and we talk to so many people that struggle with that enough word they're like that I don't know enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough or I don't work enough and so I think when you take this sort of contrast of 
the work that we're experiencing today and these blurring of boundaries. And maybe you also add this thing around the I'm not enough, whatever it is on top of it. I think there's something going on at work today that makes it really hard for people to set and stick to their own boundaries. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I was reflecting on our boundaries are way more blurred now, certainly. I think we all experience that. And I was thinking about how I worked 10 years ago versus how I work now. And I can really see in it how everything is really blurry. Everything kind of blurs together. And I don't necessarily think that's all a bad thing. I think it just means that actually we are now working so differently that you've got to maintain and figure out your boundaries for yourself because nobody else does it for you. Whereas I think if I think about how I was working 10, 11 years ago, it was so defined for me. I didn't have to give it any thought. I basically just Mm. turned up and did my job for whatever hours I was doing. And it wasn't necessarily always nine to five, but I did sort of turn up and do my job. And then I went home. I think I had a, I would have had a computer at home where I think if I'd have tried hard enough, I probably could have got to my emails, but it would have been hard. And most of the time I just went home and usually went and played netball and didn't really think about work until I went to work again the next day. And there was no, no me worrying about always my work spilling over into kind of my rest of my life the kind of technology wasn't there for that to even be an option. And I think because Mm. it's happened gradually, I've actually spent a lot more time thinking about this in the last sort of probably four or five months where, because also I love to work, I think now it's like I've figured out, I'm like, oh, okay, but that means I could always be working to the detriment of everything else. And I don't want to do that either. So it's not that I think boundaries being blurred in itself is a bad thing because I Personally, I think there are a lot of benefits to all of the things that mean that now that we can work in different places and at different times and in ways that work for us as individuals. But what it does just mean is a whole load more of reflection and kind of figuring out, okay, so what does this actually kind of mean for me? What does this mean in terms of what do I need to do differently? How do I need to manage my time? How do I need to manage my technology? There's another quote that I found actually when I was sort of digging into some of the research around boundaries that stuck with me because I think it talks to more of the why it's really important to put some boundaries in place. If you're kind of thinking, oh, I could have some boundaries, but, you know, I do like work and it's all been okay so far. I think this quote kind of hits home for me about why it's really important to start thinking about this quite seriously. So it's by someone called Nelson and we'll link to this um, when we post the resources at amazingif.com. But the quote is, in work or in our personal relationships, poor boundaries lead to resentment, anger and burnout. It's almost like this incremental thing that Sarah was saying. You might not notice it, but sort of five years of constantly compromising yourself gradually and really blurring those boundaries so that maybe you don't have any in place by the end of that period of time. The risk is that you resent the work that you're left with. You're angry at some of the decisions that you might have made over time and not realised that you've done. And you might also end up sort of burnt out looking back at it as well. So we want to help you. We do not want that resentment, anger and burnout to be part of the future that that you are taking control of. No, no. So (laughs) let's let's turn a corner and let's use this podcast to turn a corner. Maybe share some of our boundaries that maybe we've got or we're trying hard to sustain and maintain at the moment. And then we're going to get into some tips, some really practical, actionable tips so that wherever you are in this kind of boundary journey at the moment, you can take some action to put them in place, whatever they look like for you. So should we start, Sarah, with, do you want to share some of your boundaries that you're working on at present? 
Yes. So where I think I'm at my boundary best, if that's a mm. uh, is that if that's a phrase, I think it should be. <laughs> it should be my boundary best is I think avoiding burnout. So I actually really like working in a focused way, a driven way, relatively intense way. I think quite a few people around me would describe me in that way when I've got a project or something that I'm delivering. But I'm also good at recognising that after that period of time, I can't just keep going. And I'm good at making sure that I have, whether it's days, half days, things within a week that give me time to recover and re-energise. So sometimes that can be small things like thinking, oh, I'm working from home on a Thursday. The first thing I'm going to do on a Thursday morning is go for a walk for an hour. And sometimes the last thing you feel like doing is going for a walk for an hour because you can just, you know what the to-do list looks like. You know you've got a really busy day. You almost think, oh, an hour walk now means that I'm going to have more stuff to do at the end of the day Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm going to have to work late. So there's so many reasons not to do it. But having those almost just moments to just relax and not be really focused. And I think I, I vary those depending on what I'm working on. If it's more typical busy as I would describe it like we're all busy most of the time I think I'm good at all the kind of smaller in-between bits of just giving myself a break and then when it's bigger moments of a big project or maybe I do feel like work has been more kind of how I spend most of my time for maybe a couple of weeks I am good at recalibrating and just saying that to myself I think oh but this is not acceptable or sustainable or actually just how I want to live my life forever Mm -hmm. but I'm really happy to do it for a bit and I enjoy it for a bit because I was reflecting on that quote that you'd said around that's often what leads to burnout you know I don't want to touch wood say oh you know that's never going to happen to me because I'm good at this one thing but I do think I've avoided so far kind of getting that to that point of burnout for that reason because I'm good that's kind of me at my best is just spotting I just don't think I can keep going for any longer or actually I need moments and I know that I'm better when I do have those kind of recovery. I never actually feel guilty. So I know this is something that people sometimes struggle with a little bit around, or oh, I feel guilty that I'm not working. Guilty is actually not something I feel. I sometimes feel frustrated that I'm not doing like the work things because I think I need to get through <laughs> the actions, but I don't feel guilty for doing it. And even now, where we run our business together, where I think it's easier to feel guilty because you sort of think, well, if I don't do it, probably it doesn't get done. So if things are more reliant on you, even now I still think, oh, going for a walk is okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay to go to yoga at 2pm on a Wednesday if that one week I happen to have the time to go to yoga at 2pm on a Wednesday. Question for you. I used to have someone, a lovely person called Liz Beden, who may well be listening to this, um, used to work for me at Virgin, and she always used to say that in meetings, question for you, and I used to make everyone stop. So here is, here's a question for you. Go on. Do you think it helps or hinders you being at your boundary best, having a colleague, i.e. me, who is also quite intense? The reason for the question is I can imagine, <laughs> I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about other people and their work colleagues. And let's say you want to put some boundaries in place are good for you but your colleagues are like they've got really blurred boundaries and they aren't necessarily protecting theirs or like me I think you and I have a similar kind of intensity and I just wondered whether you think that affects how you set boundaries or if it doesn't if there's anything in that that we could share with other people that might be helpful so I think we set boundaries in different ways 
though I think we are both equally driven I think we recover and re-energize in different ways probably you definitely have more capacity to keep going I think longer and in a more sustained way than I do and so I think probably I just recognize that we're different I can't imagine you just going for a walk at the start of a day for an hour I mean maybe you're about to tell me that you do but I just I just don't see you doing it I see you getting up at 5 30 and doing a career tip for Instagram you know so we're not that similar really I think we have the advantage I'm just thinking about versus other work colleagues I think we have the benefit of knowing each other well enough and trusting each other to such a high level that we both kind of know that we're both doing what's best for ourselves and for each other so I think a few times perhaps you've called me and I think I've been on a walk by myself as as ever um and you just sort of go oh you're on a walk not very surprised and then you just sort of leave me to it and I think you know that it's important to me and that I wouldn't be doing it otherwise I think that's probably what helps me is I don't ever feel just because we don't have the same behavior I don't feel pressure to behave like you do and I feel supported in what I'm choosing to do and I don't think you would ever judge me or I don't feel like you're kind of judgmental going oh but we're really busy why is Sarah not writing that proposal or doing that Mm -hmm. action plan I think you've got to have that trust of well Sarah will know what to prioritize and if at the moment she needs to prioritize going for a walk then that is the right thing and that is better than Sarah getting really stressed and burning out or not doing a good job I think so maybe it's not kind of that's actually not one of the five tips that we're going to share but maybe there's something in that about if we're thinking about sort of boundaries and teams and how you can protect boundaries maybe there is a really helpful conversation for a team to have about what does it look like to you for you to be at your boundary best mm-hmm. and what do you need from us to support you for you might say well you know if my boundaries are about having a daily walk know that if I don't reply at that time or if I say I'm on a walk that's like my time to be sort of in my own head and not talking to you about what's in yours or whatever that looks like for people but there sounds like when you said that that there's trust there's support and there's a respect for your own boundaries and so maybe that's something that teams could take forward and I think even if you said to me which you wouldn't oh I don't really get why you do that I think it's so important to me and I feel the value of that time emotionally like physically I think I also it gives me time to think and come up with ideas and that kind of stuff I would feel confident enough to push back and say you might be like, well, why are you going for a walk? I'd just be going, oh, I just need it. And it wouldn't make me think, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to not do it. So even if for whatever reason we disagreed about it, I think I'd feel confident enough to stick with it. What about you? I can't you imagine eat? I'd ever disagree no, with you about being like, that would be an awful thing to do. Uh, when am I at my boundary best? best? Yeah. So, so I've got some hard boundaries that I feel like they're hard to be just because like, I literally can't work with them so for example one of my very hard boundaries is my what I call like my bath time boundary so I quite like a bath I'm in quite a long bath and you can't really work in the bath so I feel like I put myself in a situation where I literally can't like have my laptop and type or do anything like that so for me that for me is a very good way of if ever I feel like I'm thinking a bit too much about work, like not even doing the work, like it's just going around my head a little bit too much. I always know that 
spending time like in a bath <laughs> on my own, like listening to music. It's a very tactical thing, but my bath time boundary, I probably have two hour long baths a week. And I like <laughs> I just sit there, don't really do a lot. Obviously, maybe occasionally read something of absolutely no intellectual capacity requirements whatsoever. And my husband doesn't come in, my children don't come in, and it is bliss. That is something that I'm quite protective about that space like that is a no disturb me kind of space that I have I also have the weekend boundary with the children so I'm not saying to anyone go and have children so you can have some boundaries but I have (laughs) that that, that would be a bad recommendation because I'm also tired most of the time but I can't work when I have the children I don't have the cognitive capacity to multitask when I'm with them even if I wanted to even if I thought oh I'll write that article Mm. they are chatting to me in the back of a car or they want me to go into soft play or they want me to build lego i can't do anything else other than be with them and to sarah's point actually even though sometimes i do find it frustrating for lots of different reasons but it is a very hard boundary like i there is no blurring of that i need to be with them and and that's all that that can be so they're two very hard boundaries for me i think i have one that i have put in place a bit more consciously if you know what i mean i said to sarah i was writing some notes i was like oh there's a thing about monkeys she's like what are you going on about these monkeys helen um <laughs> so someone told me a while ago beware of catching other people's monkeys for some people listening you might know exactly what I'm talking about and for some other people you might be like I've no idea but there's a book that Ken Blanchard famous management writer wrote about monkeys it's like the one minute manager and catching monkeys or something like that is the title we'll link to it and the premise of it is my interpretation of this is that we all carry monkeys around with us and monkeys is almost like a sort of a metaphor for all the different jobs that we have to do and actions we have to do think about it like you're carrying around your to-do list and every action on your to-do list is basically a monkey right so you're carrying them they're a weight on you carrying all these monkeys and what a lot of people like to do is throw their monkey onto somebody else right so they're trying to throw their monkey onto someone else's back and I think earlier in my career I spent a lot of time catching other people's monkeys so I'd be like yes sure I can do that yeah I know how to do that of course I can people didn't even have to throw them that hard at me I'd be like yeah sure I'd love to help I'd love to do that I can definitely do it sometimes because I wanted to help them sometimes because I thought I knew the answer and didn't even think about what I might be trading off in order to get that thing done and I think I spent a lot of time carrying other people's monkeys around and basically blurring my boundaries all over the place so I'd be staying late or I'd be missing dinner with my husband or I'd be not doing something else I wanted to do because I was basically you know doing whatever I was doing with all these other monkeys some of which were mine some of which were other people's I have become a lot better at not catching other people's monkeys which is not to say I'm not helpful but I try and help in the moment so if someone's like oh I don't know what to do with this business case or don't know what to do with my CV I'll try and help them then and there but what I won't say is send me it over and I'll have a look and I'll come back to you in 48 hours which is probably what I used to do and then I'd be thinking oh my gosh I've got all this stuff to do that's basically someone else's stuff I don't know how to do it I've become much better at thinking how much can I help you with in this moment rather than sort of catching a monkey and trying sorting it out later you're, you and are that... good at this. Now you're describing it. Now I understand what the monkey thing means. <laughs> now you know what I mean. <laughs> now I know what you mean. I actually was just thinking, I don't think I am that good at this yet. I say yet with a growth mindset uh, of starting point, listening to you talk. And I was thinking, I'd like to be better at this because I think I um, do let the monkeys grab on a little bit. 
but then don't do a very good job and it makes me feel bad if you know what I mean. So I think mm. you do a really good job of managing your monkeys in the moment. I feel like we're all about the alliteration yeah. this evening. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, yeah, that but, would be my advice. It's not that I don't want to be helpful because I do and I, I love helping people. But I know that if, now if I take that monkey on, sometimes I like let it fall, which is bad because I've said to someone I'll help them and I can't. So I try as far as possible to do as much as I can in the moment. And then if I do take the monkey, I'm, I only take a few and I take the ones that I do very, very consciously with an understanding of when I can kind of give it back, basically. Do you know what? I am going to commit to practising getting better at managing monkeys in the moment because okay. I definitely well I commit at the moment to helping on various different things because I really want to like I'm only ever saying yes because I genuinely want to say yes it's not like I'm going oh I feel like I have to but then I don't do a very good job of the following up and then that's not good for the other people and it's not good for me either because then it plays on your mind that you've not done it and then you've not done a good job of it whereas I think if I could just think right well with this thing in the next 24 hours that's it I'm going to do as much as I can do and and then leave it wherever it's got to or kind of hand it over or try and do that in a what is sustainable for me to do today or by tomorrow and then if it's not change what that thing is my learning from this if you're going to go and do this just my one little extra bit for you is I think you have to drop your quality bar a little bit so let's say somebody gives me a monkey of introducing you to somebody else they're like say Helena do you know anybody who can because I really want to know this sort of thing and I'm like oh I know someone who can do that now what I would have done previously is like added it to my to-do list so put the monkey on my back waited till my Friday when I might be at home and I suddenly Mm. got 101 things to do what I will now do is say yeah not a problem just give me five minutes and I'll do it now so I almost use the five minutes that I'm already with that person and it means that maybe the introduction isn't quite as refined and perfect but I might just be like I might email someone and say I'm just with person x they're interested in this they'd love to meet you can I please connect you to to maybe explore it if I was at home on a Friday I probably would have spent 10 minutes writing that intro and done it all perfectly yeah that's what I would do so I do it in the moment but I compromise the quality that I might do with all my thoughtfulness but I think it's worth it because it means that I get it done yeah and I don't think anyone's any the wiser that there might be a quality difference if I spent any time doing it anyway I think the only person would probably be me so yeah that's my my little add-on tip for you life is full of what-ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So should we move on to our three top tips that we found between us in terms of looking at the different kind of boundaries, how they work, and the kind of actions that you can take to try and... I think we've probably suggested some things there just from our own experiences, but perhaps good to start talking through the tips. Yes, okay, shall I go first? Go for it. So tip number one is, quite a nice build from the, the monkey management, is practice saying no and stop saying sorry. So let's take these <laughs> into our sort of two parts. Part A is the practice saying no. I think most people don't like saying no. I don't like saying no, as in a really, really clear no, which isn't like a fudge of a, sure, I mean, I'll look into it, but I can't at the moment, but I'll definitely do it. You know, that's a fudge. An actual clean, I'm oh, sorry, I, I can't. Oh, that today. That's making what, me feel bad. What, the fudge? Oh, yeah. no. Someone asked me something and I fudged a no. I want to just say no, but I've done the fudge. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. So this is going to, I think it feels uncomfortable and it does sound a bit brutal sometimes. The actual word no sounds brutal, mm. but I think partly because it, it might be, but also there's the emotional feeling of like, oh, no sounds harsh. So this tip is to find ways to say no, no, thank you. Or no, not for me at the moment. But the actual word no in your closure of an action or something examples of ways that you can do this might be when someone's offering you something like i don't know in a restaurant when someone says do you want another glass of wine no thank you (laughs) would be an answer i very rarely say that or maybe dessert or something or if someone's trying to sell you something on the phone maybe someone's calling you up on your mobile and they're like oh can i talk to you You just say no thank you basically try and practice i think like one no a week put yourself on like a no diet and try and say one no a week for a month that sounds really hard i know oh that doesn't count (laughs) do you think though how okay so this is my you can tell me if you think i'm already fudging this go on so i'm genuinely trying to imagine myself being as direct as that and finding it really Mm. difficult because Mm. tonally it doesn't sit well with me and how important is it to just be more direct versus actually having to say no. I think you should find a way to do it to work out whether the thing that's holding you back is your association with the word no or the social appropriateness of the word no. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm also, the other thing that's going through my head is I don't think people say no to me very often. I can't think of any examples of where I see it written or have it said to you commonly I get the principle of to set the boundaries you have basically you've got to be able to push back on those boundaries yes and and you've got to be able to say oh no sorry I'm not able to do that yeah but you see even there you see Mm. in my example I said sorry straight away Mm. (gasps) and that's the stop saying sorry bit I think oh no I can't do this one it's too hard (laughs) I can't do it yet I can't do it yet (laughs) I can't do it yet I think no is quite brutal but I think it's about being almost like you're choosing not to use it whereas at the moment I think you're just like dismissing it and so you me too I would fudge things sometimes but I think it's about can I confidently protect my boundaries and that might mean you saying no actually that's not possible at the moment one other thing that I could suggest is I think it's the no and sorry or the out and out fudge that Mm. we're trying to stop so you can say 
no, it's not possible because this, or no, I can't do that at the moment. Here's another suggestion. But I think it's the, no, I'm sorry, I can't at the moment. It's that that we're trying to get away from. Yeah, do you know what the thing I said, I fudged my no on today. I basically used being busy as an excuse. Mm. And I sort of went, not yet, but maybe in the Mm. future. So basically left the door open. And actually, it is just a no. I just couldn't find a way to say it. In terms of being able to protect your boundaries and protect your time, you've not done a good job because that person could very reasonably and rationally come back to you because you've not been definitive. Yeah, I think it's the definitive decline. Practice a definitive decline, which might sound like, no, I can't do that at the moment, or that's not possible right now, or that's not possible. Here's something else that I suggest. Whatever your definitive decline is, that's the thing I think to practice saying so that you know that you are in control of your boundaries, or you can be if you choose to be. That's what I'll do. I'm going to practice my definition. I feel like you're getting quite a few tips out of this. (laughs) So tip number two is about preparing for pushback. And I was reflecting on this in terms of probably the one time in my career where my boundaries were really pushed. I was in a job that was quite a 24-7 job and I worked for a boss who was a 24-7 boss. And one of my boundaries was that I did things connected to work, but not at work. So this was probably early days of Amazing If when I was running some development things outside of my day job, often in the evenings, but would obviously leave my day job to go and do those things. I decided that that was really important to me, important to my general enjoyment of life. It wasn't like I was thinking I need to build up a amazing if empire (laughs) ready for four or five years time when we're going to run our business together. You're laughing because I bet you're like, "Mm, that does sound nice. (laughs) Yeah, like I I sort of thing I probably would say, but it wasn't. It was because I think I recognised how much I enjoyed and got value and was learning from those other things. So I did have a boundary of I'm not going to work every single hour. I am going to leave and go and do some of these other things. And probably only at that time, maybe once a week, I think it was, when I was running a specific programme, that boundary got really challenged by the person I was working for. And I think if you can imagine or visualise what could happen in terms of your boundaries getting crossed or being challenged and just how are you going to handle those moments Mm. what are you going to do because that will happen sometimes you will have those moments and you know sometimes people might not even know that they are crossing that boundary I had moments definitely in that job where you know you're perhaps leaving and you sort of get a bit of a look you know there's kind of the or you think you're getting a bit of a look or perhaps even you know someone saying oh Sarah have you finished this thing yet or can you do this tonight and they sort of know that you're leaving to go and do something different that's where you've got to be confident enough to respond or explain and I think for the boundaries that really matter to you if you have the sort of relationship I think particularly with your manager and your peers where you can share those boundaries I think that goes a long way so in that situation I was good at sharing my boundaries and saying this is the thing I do on a Monday night it's really important to me almost like you need to tell me if if this is a complete no-go or just not acceptable I need to know now but you know it was very much in my own time And I think almost that's the easier bit. I think the rational bit here is the easy bit because most people are reasonable. Most people get that how people have other things in their life. I think it's more the emotional bit of every single Monday when I was leaving, I'd feel bad and would feel like I wasn't probably supported. I would almost have to tell myself every week, 
that that boundary matters, that that boundary is important to me. So there's almost the rational things you can do, sharing your boundaries, putting any more triggers or mechanisms in place to make sure that boundary can kind of work for you and your job and your boss, all those kind of things. I think it's more just the resilience to be strong enough to go, I am going to leave now to go to the gym or I am going to leave now so that I can get back to do the homework with my kid because I know that yes this meeting might go on for another three quarters of an hour but I've been really clear that I do have to leave at this time or I've been really clear that I'm training to be a Pilates teacher at the moment and I have a class every Monday at this particular time you know I even did it last week I was I had booked to go to yoga at a weird time it was like 3 p.m or something in the afternoon and I nearly missed the start of the class just because I was getting quite into an article I was writing for us. I mean, that is just stupid. But it was almost a bit of like a, or even in my own head, I was like, oh, I'm quite into this at the moment. And then I thought, but no, I know this is really important. And so I almost stressed myself out a little bit by literally arriving like 30 seconds before it was about to start. But I'm still really glad that I kept the boundary of thinking, I know I need these moments back to my previous point of rest and relaxation etc and it makes me better at work and I'm sure that that article was better because I did actually stick to it. You've not mentioned it but one boundary I think you were amazing at protecting that I'm sure some people listening will maybe have trying to maintain this boundary is when you started to work part-time at Sainsbury's and you had I can't remember it was consistently a Friday off it was another day but you had like obviously you worked four days a week at Sainsbury's yeah, and you did one day Friday a Friday originally and then a Thursday it became yeah you were amazing at that so what happened was Sarah started to work part-time at Sainsbury's so four days a week at Sainsbury's one day a week on like amazing if and some other things that Sarah was working on at the time and around about the same time sort of partly inspired by Sarah I was kind of trialing I'd gone back to work at Virgin after my first child Henry and I was trialing a sort of compressed hours type of thing because I didn't really want to drop my salary because my childcare costs were going up and all kinds of things that happened in my life so I was sort of trialing this compressed hour thing that would have given me the Friday to work on Amazing If. Now I really struggled and I was struggling so much that my manager told me to stop saying sorry so please don't listen to this and think I've kind of nailed all this sorry not saying sorry thing because he said he was like I've never heard you say sorry so much because I was constantly apologizing for like not being able to come to a certain meeting or not being able to do something else and I was actually so bad at protecting my boundaries that that whole way of working just didn't work for me at the time I just couldn't do it whereas Sarah you Mm. were brilliant you were really really good at protecting that boundary and I'm sure there'll be some people listening that are maybe also working part-time and trying to protect that boundary and maybe struggling is there anything in your experience there that helped you do you know what I think and this is completely irrational But I think the way I did my four-day week, both when I did it at Sainsbury's and then when I did it later at another company, and this is pre and post having kids, was I took a pay cut of just a straight kind of 20% pay cut. So work one less day, get paid 20% less. And I think because that is quite a straightforward thing, I thought, oh, well, obviously I now work 20% less for that company because they pay me 20% less. Now, funnily enough, I didn't extend that to, oh, well, would you ever work in an evening or would you ever work at a weekend or all of which I would do, not all of the time. But there was something about that day where I think it was so definitive that in my mind, it really helped to create a line where I thought, well, I've made a compromise and I've made a choice here. And this is very much my choice. So I am choosing to do this to do something else I'm really passionate about. And if I don't use it, well, then what am I gaining? 
back to the whole give gain thing. It's like, well, from this, I am giving, giving back 20% of my salary. And, you know, I'm giving, you know, some of my time away in terms of kind of physically being there and that kind of thing. And the organisation, I think, were giving me a lot as well. They were prepared for me to be in kind of senior roles and, and to be there less. But what I'm gaining is that opportunity to spend a day on something that really matters to me. And if I don't use that, I think it's the opportunity cost of, I would have felt like I was really wasting something that I had worked hard to make happen. And I did have that thing of, obviously, if it was an emergency, someone could always call me on that day that I wasn't working. I never had to protect it, as in not be transparent about it. So I was always very transparent about the day I wasn't working, because that makes life easier. My team all knew that they could call me in an emergency. I also wasn't really in jobs that had massive emergencies. I was in really important big jobs that I really enjoyed and I had done previously slightly different roles. There was very unlikely to be something that couldn't wait until the next day. And it's a pragmatic point, but I do think you can make boundaries easier for yourself if you also think about, can I put myself in a situation that makes these boundaries more likely to work? I think I started a four-day week when I was in a corporate affairs team and that's harder because that's a much more reactive team. And then once I was in more of a strategic role, it was much easier because that's more of a proactive role. And actually, even when I was thinking about what I was going to do after maternity leave, again, I looked for strategic roles where things could probably wait 95% of the time until the next day, which most of the time they can in reality. So yeah, I think that's why, yeah, that always kind of worked for me. And now I work five days a week again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, Also, just one other thing. I think listening to you, when you talked about that, well, if I was dropping 20% of my time, then that was the reflective in what I was delivering for them. You have a real clear sense of worth, the worth of your time when you're describing that. And it just takes me right back Mm. to that Brené Brown quote that we started with, where she said, we can't base our own worthiness on others' approval. I think in that situation, you had a real clear sense of your worth and your impact and you being paid for that worth and therefore if you were being paid less you were going to manage that time accordingly I think that takes a lot of confidence um, which is really good (laughs) no no, but I think that's something that people can learn from like what is you need to have a a strong sense of value and worth and know where you add value I think to be confident in protecting those sort of boundaries like you did and so third one then um, the third and last tip is to get a boundary buddy which sounds a bit flippant but this is effectively this is somebody that you trust I think maybe someone that can challenge you a little bit that you share with them the boundaries that you want to maintain so for example if I said to Sarah one of the boundaries I want to have is that I don't want to work on the weekend and one day a week I want to do a half day or something like that so that I can do exercise spend time with my children learn whatever the reason for that boundary is then talking to Sarah and letting her know about that would mean that she could help me to protect my boundaries. And I think this is particularly important if you feel, maybe if you're setting them up for the first time, so before they feel like they're really fixed and they've just become a habitual part of how you're working, I think particularly if you're trying to put new boundaries in place, having somebody that knows about them and can help you to protect them. And if you feel like you're, like maybe they can call you if it looks like you're compromising those boundaries and then maybe you can kind of hit boundary reset again. Just think about maybe who might be in your support network that could help you to protect your boundaries that you could talk to them about with trust um as particularly if you're just starting them off for the first time so who's your boundary buddy helen am i meant to be your boundary buddy 
Yeah, I think you are. I think my husband is as well. Like, he's yeah. pretty good at being my boundary buddy. Well, my I was just thinking, nan- I don't think I try hard enough. If I'm meant to be doing that, I, don't, I think I need to start being a bit more active well, you in don't, that role. You don't, I tell you, my husband doesn't come in when I have my bath. He knows about that. Uh, I also <laughs> think we've maybe got some unexplicit weekend boundaries that we both have in place. I think we're respectful of the boundaries we put around our time at the weekends. But I don't know, at the moment, I feel like I'm not putting any new ones in place. So I think if I was about to put some new ones in place, I might enlist you more as a boundary buddy. But right now, I feel pretty happy with where my boundaries are. I'm not drowning in monkeys. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm in an okay place at the moment. But if you will, you be my boundary buddy if I need one. Always, I love it. I love right, the idea you. of having to hold you to account to things. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> would you like to summarise tonight's three tips before you go on a power trip? <laughs> I would. So, tip number one was practice saying no and stop saying sorry. Number two was prepare for pushback both rationally and emotionally. And number three was find and make friends with Boundary Buddy. And if tonight's podcast has been useful, there are a couple of other episodes that we would recommend you listen to that are related. The first is How to Manage Stress. That's episode 29. Because often I think we are particularly interested in boundaries at the point where they're not working. If they're working quite well, we're perhaps uh, less conscious of them. Albeit, I think, like we said, we're getting more and more proactive. And another episode that could be useful is how to prioritise your work, which is episode 95. And also, in case any of you would like to come and experience some squiggly careers training, which Sarah and I do lots and lots of, the real day job outside of doing the podcast is that we work with lots of organisations running programmes to help with career development. And we sometimes also do different open courses that people can come to. And one of those open courses that we have set up for March is a pretty special one. It's one that we've never done before outside the companies that we work with. It is a one day, five skills to succeed in a squiggly career course is effectively the book brought to life so if you would like to be part of a room of 100 people who are all committed to their career development looking to be inspired and informed and take actions away with them this could be the day for you um, we've hired an amazing space I'm really excited about it yeah it's um, it, we've also got a really nice lunch also quite excited <laughs> about that also great. I quite, quite like food um, for 100 pounds you get the full day's course which is us going through values strengths confidence network and future you get a copy of the book you get your lunch and you'll also get to meet Sarah and I if that's important to you but you also will get to spend some time with some other people who are hopefully in the same sort of headspace as you what we find with the community that sort of wraps itself around squiggly careers is that it's a really positive community of people who are really trying to take ownership for their career and they just want some more tools and advice but it's a great community to be part of so if that feels like a good thing for you if you just search for amazing if on google or wherever you are searching for it and you'll see us on eventbrite we will also post about it on linkedin and we'll post about it there's a link to it on instagram at amazing if under our bio so you should be able to find it anywhere and if you can't just email us at get in touch at amazing and we will send you the link but it's 100 pounds 23rd of march it's in london at a place called fora and it should be a really, really good day. And so thank you to everyone who continues to listen. If you do get the chance to uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple, you know by now that that really helps every podcast. So if it's a podcast that you like and appreciate enough to spend five minutes doing that, we would be really grateful. We read every single review. I say it all the time, but I do think our podcast reviews in particular just bring a little bit of sparkle and shine to our week. They're always oh, really... I love that. Sparkle and yeah, shine. Yeah, they're always so, so nice to read. So if you've been listening for a while and perhaps you think, oh, I keep meaning to do that, 
that'd be a good thing for you to do as spring comes around that could be your spring resolution (laughs) and next week we're going to be talking about making sure your strengths show up and stand out at work so we have talked a little bit about strengths before but we feel like it's a topic that's really important particularly this time of year as we're all going for new jobs or perhaps going through redundancies as we talked about at the start of the podcast loads and loads of change so never a better time to just be really confident in the value that you add so we thought that would be a good topic to revisit and kind of look at in a new way next week but for now thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again next week even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 